This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. The X-Man Podcast is hosted by Doc Coyle. Doc isn't a superhero, though. He's a quitter. He's the ex-guitar player for metal band God Forbid. Through this show, Doc takes you through his emotional and mental journey as a 30-something dealing with challenging life transitions. His conversations with musicians, creatives, and industry professionals about their personal tribulations serves as a mutual therapy session to ask a fundamental question. What do you do when the main thing that defines you ceases to exist? Listen and find more about the X-Men at www.doccoil.net. A new concept and eyewear. WarbyParker.com. Warby Parker was founded with a rebellious spirit and a lofty goal to create boutique quality eyewear at a revolutionary price point. Free home try-on program. Order five pairs of glasses and try them for five days. There is no obligation to buy. Ships free and includes a prepaid return shipping label. Head to WarbyParker.com backslash metal sucks to order your free home try-ons today. WarbyParker.com backslash metal sucks. And remember, every pair of Warby Parker glasses that you purchase, they, one does go to someone in need. So once again, WarbyParker.com backslash metal sucks. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your host, Brandon Hahn and Petter Spych. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going on, guys? Metal Sucks Podcast back again. I'm Brandon Hahn. I'm Petter Spych. Uh, this week, we do get an interview with uh, Stephen Wilson, guys. We're going to be talking about his new record, To the Bone, which comes out August 18th for all you progressive Metal guys, you're gonna love it. Great interview, dude. Awesome dude. Excellent interview. Yeah. Cool guy, man. Just, just, just such an exciting thing. And we will be playing a couple songs off of that. Um, if you couldn't tell, there was no bit. Obviously, um, there was sad news again in such a soon, such a quick time. But uh, Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park, as you all, it's fresh on know. the heels, yeah, of, of of Chris Cornell, and it's basically it's the same exact way mm-hmm. on his birthday. On, on Chris, Chris Cornell's, Cornell's birthday. birthday. Yeah. On Chris Cornell's birthday. It's just, I don't know. And uh, if, I mean, for you guys that haven't heard before that the episode that we did talk about Chris Cornell and a lot of our opinions on the suicide of Chris Cornell, um, that's the local H episode. So we don't want to reiterate all those same points. We don't want to say the same things we said over there, you know, because like I said, it's just such a soon, it's just such a, a fresh, a fresh conversation that we we feel like we just had a lot of the same things can be said uh some of the facts that we do know like you just said it was on chris cornell's birthday uh there was a a half bottle of alcohol found he hung himself you know um just like chris cornell did with this time with a belt and not the other side and not with a uh, an exercise band and um it came out of nowhere for everybody um the one thing that i took from you know a, a lot of times when when people take their lives and it's in the moment where a moment of depression defeats them and, and takes them and, and they lose that battle for that moment. I think a lot of times, which is going to sound kind of weird, I'm always consoled when there isn't a note because, you know, they weren't thinking of their loved ones. They weren't thinking of anybody. They were just losing a little battle there. So they didn't, they didn't, they didn't leave a note for you. Well, and, that's the most upsetting thing, too. I mean, especially in the day and age that we live in with social media, you just have all these people. They think they have the answers. Mm. 
oh, you know, reach out, talk to someone. Yeah, they know about, I'm sure they've heard reach out. I'm sure they've heard talk to someone. I'm not saying that that message, I'm not saying that message shouldn't be perpetuated. I'm not saying that. It is positive. But at the same time, they're they're not thinking about that. No, if they're They're not thinking about about that, that, and that's something you, you nailed it. If they're not thinking about their family, their loved ones. All those things Dude, at that moment, the they're not going to think to reach out. Well, the problem is, you know? is they're, they are thinking of their family. They are thinking of their loved ones. And then, and the reason being is they think they're doing them a favor by leaving this planet. Yikes. I don't, I'm not touching that, buddy. Well, I'm just saying that's if you've, I, mean, I don't agree with you at all. No, no, no. What so. I'm, but I'm letting you know that if you've read some interviews of people that have tried it and mm-hmm. then that failed at suicide and then all of a sudden they come to, that's what's going on in a lot of their minds. I, I you know, like I said, I disagree with what your statement, but it's, it's a well, touchy I'm subject. Not, it's so. not, I'm not saying it's a fact. I'm saying for some people that is a fact, but not for everyone. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I, I personally, like if we can break this down, I think that. He wasn't in the right mindset, you know, and and um, the like you said, the birthday of Chris Cornell, a friend of his, someone an that, idol of an his, idol of his, someone that maybe you know, when you're idolizing acts that have been there before you, like Chris Cornell, you know, you think they're they're much more talented than you. They're, you think they are on a, on a higher level and all that stuff. And I'm not going to go this or that. Everybody listens to our show knows that you know whatever the case may be as far as the output of what Chris Cornell did to Chester Bennington, it's subjective. I'm not going to say who's better, who's what, but maybe in, in Chester's mind, he just felt that if, if the weight of everything Chris Cornell couldn't hold together, maybe that did affect him in a way that we didn't understand, you know, um, or maybe people can't relate to because we can't relate to me. There's about five American acts out there that are truly arena rock bands mm-hmm. that can sell out i mean arena across the states and i'm talking about yes the established ones the metallicas the guns and roses but from that next era no matter how huge like a corn was or limp biscuit was at a time their staying power was not to fill up arenas anymore lincoln park somehow transcended that and their staying power still was working in arenas right they can still pack in 15 20 000 people across america so you know, um, and even like the next tier bands, if, if we may, like the Avenged Sevenfolds, the Five Finger Death Punch, we're talking about American bands. I'm not talking about the world. Um, you know, those, those bands, you know, probably get close to that, but they're not on the same level. So to lose for, he was at the, like I said, in the top five, his band of, of, of fans in this country. Like he's one of those guys that really did have it all type of thing, you know, Suicide's not something that, you know, we see a lot in the rock world. You know, Chris Cornell obviously just happened. The one, you know, Kurt Cobain was in 94, 20 years ago. A lot of issues in that whole scenario when that happened. Deaths do occur. But suicide at 41, after being where you were, this is, this is it's a different beast, I think, in a lot of levels. Even even then, Chris Cornell, you know, um, it's, it's just a lot of levels because, and I don't know the speculations. One thing that I learned while looking on social media in both the circumstances is that sometimes, unfortunately, we as a society don't learn to just stay quiet. If you got an opinion, like for example, I know, and I'm not going to jump on what you know Brian Welch from Corn said or the the quick statement Guar threw out there to the crowd. I don't really think that's really something we need to publicize. Or the idiot that broke into his wife's Twitter account. That stuff's not. It's not important, you know. So. Sometimes silence 
is the way to go. If you feel the anger because, say, like I said, he's a friend of yours or something like that, sometimes you vent at your friend next to you, you know, not to pick on Brian from from Corn, but hey, vent at Jonathan Davis. Don't vent into your phone for the world to see. Like, you, we, your opinion, we all, we all have the same emotions well, the when, it, when it comes had, to this, but, like, keep it. The problem I had with Brian had well you know welch saying those things was it's like okay do you want the spotlight on you now because there are plenty of times in your history where somebody could have called you a coward for like especially with his battles with addiction and stuff i mean here's the thing like when it comes to mental illness this is the, the one thing that really bothers me is people think they because hey they suffer from it so they must know how everyone suffers from it and no you don't oh no it, none of us it's such different levels yeah. there's such different levels of this and that's what that's what infuriates me the most is like you just get all these keyboard warriors, you know they take to they take to the to the internet and they just want to sit there and let their voice be heard. Oh, this is selfish. This is you know whatever you 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 know that you know the garbage that they but put it out begs there. The question of why why, why do these people feel it necessary? Because why, if, why do people feel it necessary to take a tragedy like I said? Um, and you know we're not discussing if we're fans of the we none of that is relevant at all. If you're fans of Lincoln Park, it's, it's irrelevant. You know, that doesn't matter in these situations. But why do people in society feel it necessary that their opinion has to be heard? Okay. It's because they want attention. You just nailed it. Because they want people to focus on what they're saying opposed to the action. And the only thing that matters, the only thing that matters is there's a mourning family out there. Okay, and that this guy's live mattered to a lot of people. Well, the problem I I just don't like how people want to pretend like they have the answers. You don't have the fucking answers. And every time you go out there and you say these things, it's just insulting to anyone else that's on the outside staring in. Like I got into it with uh, someone on Facebook and I said something like, "Uh, did you ever have anyone that lost their did you ever lose anyone to suicide and she's like and it was almost like she wanted me to ask the question yeah i did i had my dad and blah 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 you know and just kind of and basically and every one of these and then and every one of the 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 messages that they put out there it's always toughen up that's always the underlying message they could put it as lightly and delicately as they want but in the end it's toughen up and that's not the answer. No, I mean, no, a lot of people think it's selfish. We know that. Yeah. We talked about this in, but it's in the a, local but it's, H episode. It's just, it's just it, stupid, though, because it's the same. You're, you're, they, they're pretending like they're the first ones to say, reach out, talk to someone. They're pretending like they're the first ones to do it. They're not. They're not. Well, I think when people say reach out, it's not a negative thing. I think no, what they're the, saying is that in a way is like, hey, you know, obviously, you know, if Chester, this guy who's successful in every way possible, has a beautiful life, a beautiful family, if depression can beat him, you know, you, you need to take steps so you don't follow his path. That's a positive message. I have no issue with that whatsoever. Uh, I think people that do feel sometimes or think suicide that they should reach out today. I have no issue with that. Absolutely. It's a, it's a positive message to send out there. And well, telling somebody to, to I, okay, maybe I use the wrong word. Saying, saying reach out, that's not the negative. The, the real negative, though, is, you know, basically is the, this is selfish. You know, he wasn't even think, would uh, think about his kids. It's like, dude, like, you're, you're, not, you're not grasping this. Again. He's not thinking about that. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. In the moment of weakness, people don't know. Any, we don't know anything. But you're allowed to say those comments. Say your opinion. Free speech all day. 
Why do you choose to do it on the internet? Call your mom, call your friend, call this guy over here and say, this is, this is what, how I feel about this situation, you know, or, or if you really like, oh yeah, I want to make a joke about one of the lyrics to a Linkin Park song. You know what? Why don't you say it to a friend? Don't be edgy just to feel cool about yourself because you're alive and someone's not here with but us that's anymore. Always, that's what it is though. It's no, all edgy. It, it's not edgy from a keyboard. It's not edgy. Okay. When no one knows who you are, it's the opposite. It's the total opposite. If you're going to stand on stage like George Carlin and tell it like it is, you might have some edge there. Okay. But this is not edgy. This is just disrespectful. It's hurtful. It's teaching people the wrong things, respecting a life and being sensitive to the people that were close to him are all that we as humans need to do when you lose someone that you care about. Like I said, Chris Cornell was a huge, I mean, it, it hit me hard, that one, really hard. My, my, you know, correlation to Chester Bennington wasn't as strong, but I know for a fact more people have a correlation to Chester Bennington that I felt when Chris Cornell took his life. So I will never say anything disrespectful about him, his bands, his fans, anything, especially in a time of need. Music is subjective and it's fun to talk shit, guys, when it's all fun and games, but when it's real and when it's life, shut the fuck up. Know your role and respect human beings. And that's all I got on that. All right. So sorry for the downer, um, you know, uh, but we do have a great interview coming up. Don't want to, you know, we got to report the news, man. And this, there's no other way to. Yeah, there, and honestly, I mean, how do you report another news story after this? No, like, there is nothing. No, we're you not going to talk like about you... uh, haircuts from, you know, like I said, this is, this is important. And how we handle it as a society is important, especially in our community and the underground metal scene. Right. Because that's what we represent here. You know, we represent the underground. We don't represent mainstream. We're not here to be like, hey, we're pushing bands like Dying Fetus and Goat Whore and, and Stephen Wilson and all these things that are like, hey, guys, we're not mainstream. But goddamn it, we respect everybody who's been touched by music out there because it touches us on a daily fucking basis. So with that said, guys, we will segue into our interview with Stephen Wilson. Great time, guys. Great dude. Um, actually, just uh, I, I got nothing but i'm really excited for you guys to hear this interview so check it out guys um we'll be right back metal sucks podcast you got pete here brandon we are talking to steven wilson about his new record to the bone which comes out friday august 17th or august 18th sorry about that and um, um your songs on this record steve um lyrically are from a perspective of many different individuals uh, how do you connect viewpoints to lyrics to tell these stories well, the thing that kind of unifies all of these, these lyrics, because on the surface they are all about different things, as you say, but to me the one thing that connects them all is this question of what is uh, truth. Now, the album starts off with, a, with an American school teacher talking about uh, truth. What is truth? How can we ever really arrive at truth? And isn't there a tendency in the modern world for people to impose their truth on other people? Um, so there are many songs on the record about things like religious fundamentalism, about terrorists, about politicians, about um, just relationships. You know, if you look at, um, you know, the different perspective on what, can, what truth can be, you only have to look at a relationship between two people and see how very often the two people in that relationship see the relationship in a completely different way to each other. So the album kind of addresses this question of what is truth? Is there such a thing as truth? 
And in fact, what, what, what we call truth very often isn't that actually perspective. You know, we all have our own perspective. And that, we call that perspective our truth. But in fact, our truth or our perspective is filtered through many things. It's filtered through our gender, our politics, our religion, our race. All of these things kind of inform our perspective and our idea of what reality and what truth really is. So all the songs are kind of loosely connected around that kind of like question mark, if you like. And the and I did notice that that a main theme was it was like the flexible concept of the word truth. Now, do you think that the, the yeah. relevant uh, is it a you know relevation? Uh, revelation? What's wrong with me? Is it, is it a rele- re- revelation? <laughs> is it a re- <laughs> revelation that is is it a positive thing for today's society realizing that the con- the truth is flexible, or is it is it a disaster for the future generations? Well, I think it's I think it's a very human trait to to basically you know come up with your own truth. The, the, of course, the whole I, the whole idea of being able to have a unique truth is, of course, it, it's a it's a, it's a contradiction. You know, you, truth is an absolute singular reality, isn't it? So, how can somebody have a different truth to somebody else? But in fact, we do we do live in a world where we all kind of create our own truth. I, I, you know, the answer to the question of it is a good thing or a bad thing. Well, I suppose the question is it depends on the context. When you when you get to a position as we are now in 2017, where things like fake news have become so influential on the way that people, for example, vote for a president, naming no names, um, <laughs> that obviously. Obviously, that's a very worrying development in, you know, in, in civilization and in human nature when, you know, information can be twisted to influence uh, the, you know, the voting patterns of people or the agenda can be twisted to the purposes of, of you know, whoever is using so-called truth to do so. That's not Obviously, that's not a good thing, because we'll get, ultimately we'll get to the point where we just have lost the idea of what, what reality and what truth is completely. And part of what I think, you know, an artist's job is, in a way, is to try and reflect back some of that truth at the people that listen to the music, to, to kind of hold up a mirror and say, you know, this is what I see. You know, do you, do you kind of recognize yourself in the mirror? Do you recognize this as your reality? And to provide that kind of alternative perspective. But again, that word perspective, I think a lot of the time what we what we talk about when we're talking about truth is actually nothing of the kind. It's actually perspective, because our perspective is something that's very unique to all of us. And you were talking and exactly like the problem is, though, is nowadays if people don't see each other's perspective and they make a statement then it's just they get attacked yes. for it. It's just it's just straight attack. Yes. I don't. How do you how do you keep this from happening? Yes, and that's that's kind of what what the, that first speech on the album is talking about. That the first impulse sometimes when you've established your truth, that the words she actually uses are your you know your first reaction when you've got your truth is to go and fuck up anybody everyone else's truth. You know, yeah. and there's way too much of that. There's way too much of that going on now. I think particularly when you look at the world of terrorism and religious fundamentalism, as religion largely becomes less important to the human race, the people that remain that do believe in that stuff become I think become more and more resentful to those of us that don't feel we need those kind of fairy tales anymore. 
And unfortunately, we're seeing that, you know, constantly now, this sense of resentment towards people who no longer need things like religion and those kind of beliefs. And they're lashing out because they feel threatened. And there's a lot of that going on, unfortunately. And, and, the, and of course, things like the Internet tend to accelerate that process and make hate much easier to spread. You know, you have this whole concept now of the Internet troll, the guy who just exists or the, or the girl who just exists to spread discord and to spread hate through from the safety of their own bedroom or their, their own computer terminal. And again, that's a, it's tapping into a very, very dark side of human nature. Uh, and it's very, it's almost too early, I think, in, in the history of, you know, technology and, and the Internet to really see where that's going to go and where that's going to end up. And with the new record, the solo record, To The Bone, as we mentioned before, it reminded me content-wise a lot. I have the same feelings when I'm listening to it as uh, Fear of a Blank Planet, um, which you put out with Porcupine Tree a couple years back. Kind of in America, it was mm. during the Bush presidency. So, um, But that one felt a little darker. This one has a little more hope to it. Um, is there any correlation yeah. between the yeah. concepts of these albums or the time periods? Or is it just... I think, I think you know what, I think... You can you you could probably find uh, certain patterns going through a lot of my records, but I think you're right to pick up on that particular record because that was a record that was very concerned with how technology was uh, changing the way, particularly young people, yeah. changing the way young people behaved and and related to each other, or or as the case may be, did not relate to each other. And there's certainly a lot of that on this record uh, uh, to the bone too, but I think it is a broader uh, you know, uh, there is broader subject matter on this record. Um, and as you rightly point out, there is a little bit of joy too. And let's face it, joy is not something that people associate with me. Uh, most of my music is known for being very melancholic, very dark, and, and, you know, and there's not a lot of light in there. And I think part of me, part of it maybe is just getting a little bit older and, and, and really trying to find you know, the, 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 the positive side to things. And part of it is also the, the fact that the world, in some respects, if you look at the world, it's so hard to see anything good that, you know, it, 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 I almost felt like it, my responsibility to, to, you know, to try and find something positive to say about the world we live in or, you know, to find some joy. And actually, at the end of the day, you know, the last song on the record, Song of Unborn, is a, is a great example. It's a song about it's a song being sung to an unborn child as the title would suggest and it's basically saying to the child you know you're looking out at the world metaphorically speaking you're looking out at the world and you're thinking to yourself why the hell would i want to be born into this crazy fucked up place and the answer that comes back is because the gift of life is something to unique to all of us and you can do something extraordinary with the gift of life we all can we all can choose to do something incredible and amazing with our lives if we choose to. And I think ultimately that is still the positive message behind the gift of life, you know. And I think sometimes it's important to, to remember that when we're kind of faced with all this stuff that we, you know, that we see in the news. Oh, I, I completely agree. And, and one of the concepts that I, I got from the record, um, and, and if I'm wrong, I apologize, but it's like the self-loathing that the youth, they're, they're caused by the pressures of an online life and they're not, that life seems yeah. to be more important than them than the real life. So it's like if they're being successful on the online fake world, they don't need that yes. fulfillment from the real world. 
And um, yes. Uh, so, do you think? Oh, I do apologize. I ran into something. Um, do you think that uh, the on? I mean, how do we teach the younger generation? I guess to think back like we did, or or is it something we have to just to adapt to for them? I don't think, you know, I don't think we can put the genie back in, in the bottle, you know, yeah. to, to, to yep. use an expression. The, the, the internet is here to stay. Social media is here to stay. The, the, the way that we think and the way that we engage with the world that we live in has changed and has changed, uh, you know, in some respects has changed beyond any sense of being able to, to, to go back. You know, I think it's changed for good. Uh, and that doesn't apply only to young people. That applies to all of us, you know, us old guys too. I, sp- I speak for myself here anyway. Um, my, you know, my world has completely changed. You know, I spend way too much time looking into the, the viewfinder on my phone or my laptop. And, of course, I do all my, a lot of my business I do through online now. A lot of my communicating with whether it's my record company or my management. There is a lot less um, face-to-face or even even just speaking on the telephone interaction uh, than there was when I started in this industry, you know. Um, that's an unfortunate thing. But like I say, we can't put the genie back in the bottle. I think we have to make the best of technology. And, you know, there are some amazing things. There are some amazing things about the Internet and the way technology has changed our lives. But like everything, the technology is only as good as the way we choose to use it. And so I, I think we're in a period of evolution. We're learning, we're learning in a way to cope with this incredible innovation which has changed the lives of all of us in an incredibly short period of time. Probably the most significant change in the human race since we, you know, we crawled out of the caves, quite honestly. Even television didn't have the same impact that the internet has had on, on our species. And I don't think we quite understand quite how it's changed us, even ourselves yet. And these things will only really become fully apparent over the next hundred years or so. And, and the kids of today will, you know, will find a new way of, of kind of like, um, uh, you know, engaging with the internet. There's certainly a lot of downside to it, you know, and I think I kind of have to touch on these things, you know, whether it is fake news, whether it is trolls, you know, creating hate through the internet, whether it is Facebook creating this illusion of being connected when in fact it's, you know, I, I, you know, I call social media anti-social media because to me it's actually, it's actually driving people further apart, not bringing them closer together. So there's a lot of complex issues here. I think it's the technology is still new for us to really understand fully how it's changing the world we live in and that's probably something luckily for me i can say that's probably something for the next generation to worry about but in the meantime you know i have to reflect the world i live in through through my music and to piggyback off that statement it it just seems like young people are going to the internet they're flocking to the internet for acceptance and if you go to the internet you're going to find somebody that agrees with you that lives your lifestyle there's no such thing as an outcast anymore you know that's true, and that's, the, and that's the positive side. The negative side is that for every person you find that agrees and respects you, you will find somebody that resents yep. you for those very same beliefs. And they will tell you that they resent you and they despise you, and they will do it from the safety of complete anonymity. And that is the downside. So I think, as a, this is what I mean when I say technology, very often it's one step forward and one step back. There is for every positive, there is an equal and opposite. 
And that's what we're seeing right now. As a musician, speaking purely for myself, I can say the internet is an amazing thing. It means I can get information out, music out to my fans without having to even deal with record companies, without having to send out newsletters and all that stuff that I used to have to do at the beginning of my career. That's the positive side. The negative side is that every time I release new music, there will be a torrent of abuse, criticism, uh, you know, and just basic negative energy directed at whatever I do. You know, it doesn't matter what I do. I know and I accept that that will come too. And that's something that's very new. That wouldn't have happened 20, 25 years ago. The only real way I would have had of getting feedback directly from the people that listen to my music would have been talking to fans after a show, maybe, you know. But now the forum is there, the platform is there for people to be both both positive and negative. So as you say, people can find, you know, kind of like companionship, but they can also find people that will go out of their way to create, you know, uh, to drive people to depression. And in some cases, the most extreme cases, to suicide. That's how serious it's got now. And it just seems like, uh, and, and, to, and going back on that, it just seems like whenever an artist releases something and you were talking about the backlash, how much, how, do you know any artists that have just given up because they just couldn't take this constant abuse? I mean, they try and make something beautiful and people just want to tear them down. Um, I, I don't know people have literally given up, but I know people have certainly thought about it. Um, you know, I, I have I have a musician in my band. I won't mention which, which musician he is, but he has, in the last few months, he has considered erasing all of his social media. And I think this is something we can all relate to because we've all been through that phase where we think, you know, why don't I just delete my Facebook, delete my Twitter? It's just making me miserable because of these people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he went through that in the last few months, and I had to have a long chat with him and say, look, there are people who think you're amazing. Don't get hung up on these people who are just trying to belittle you, to, to make you feel like you're doing something wrong. The point is that, you know, that everything we do... Um, particularly as an artist, everything we'll do, everything we do will appeal to some people and will not appeal to other people. Uh, that, that is in the nature of art. If it wasn't that way, there would be something seriously wrong. You know, there are even people that, some people that don't even like the Beatles, you know, uh, out there. Um, so it, I think it's just something you have to accept. But the one thing that the internet has changed, of course, is that, as I say, there's a direct line now for these people who, who want to be negative right back to the creator and everyone whether they admit it or not ultimately is very sensitive and everyone has an ego an ego in a positive sense we all have an ego we all have a sense of self-respect self-worth and we're in that sense we're all very much prone to criticism and i think some people sometimes don't realize when they're critical of somebody's music they're actually critical of that the person's very core, that person's very being and personality, because that's where the music comes from. And I spent two years of my life making this new record. For someone to dismiss it with a couple of expletives is insulting, disrespectful, obnoxious, and cowardly. And so the upshot is I simply don't engage with that stuff anymore. But I think you're right. I think there are some people out there that probably have, you know, almost been driven to the point of, of not even, you know, wanting to make music anymore. Yeah. Cause if you're passionate, like you're saying about something and, um, people, 
uh, like you said, our egos do get hurt by people that just dismiss it. And those people that dismiss it, you know, didn't even take the time probably to complete the record. They heard a 30-second snippet, and they're like, let me say something horrible. That's that's the, another thing that bothers Absolutely. me. Absolutely. They're not honorable. They're, they're being very dismissive just because they want to spew venom because emotionally they're not happy. And and unfortunately, we can't yes, stop Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing yeah, I... Yeah, absolutely. Go sorry, go on. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, I was, I was just going to jump... Uh, uh, your musical path to me, I, I really feel, if I can say, is similar to that of like someone like Peter Gabriel. Um, when, I, when I heard a track like Refuge, it, it really gave me a sense of scope lost, I think, in most modern music, you know? Um, it made me go back and listen to So and just be like, wow, look at listen to this. Um, how much of past music influences... Uh, this album's signature? Well, you know, that's, that's a very good question. I mean, I'm not interested in, in, in creating a pastiche or an homage to, to, you know, to older music, but at the same time, all music now is, of course, well, actually, I would go as far as say as all music was always, in a sense, using an established musical vocabulary. I mean, no music comes from, from a vacuum. Everything it has its influences and has, it, has its kind of precedent. And this is no exception. And I think what I was really inspired by on this album was that idea that was very prevalent in the 80s, that you could be, you could be both accessible and ambitious at the same time, that you could write great pop songs with catchy melodies and strong hooks, but without sacrificing any ambition and without dumbing down at all. And I feel to an extent the last 25 years, a lot of that tradition has disappeared. And although we still have bands like Radiohead and, and bands like Arcade Fire that kind of are still quite ambitious in the mainstream, I don't feel there's enough of that kind of music. And if you look at the 80s, you look at that era when So came out, you had artists like Kate Bush, Tears for Fears, you had artists like Prince and, and even Michael Jackson to an extent. You know, an album like Thriller would be considered too experimental now for mainstream radio play and mainstream television. And how sad is that? How tragic is that? Yeah. Um, so I kind I you know, I kinda miss that that golden era of what I see as ambitious but accessible, you know, records. Musicians that were not afraid to be ambitious but in the you know, in the context of writing what were great pop songs and I think so really epitomizes that that tradition you know uh, perfectly for me it still sounds like an extraordinarily ambitious record but but very you know catchy as hell and big hit singles on it of course as well and yeah how much but the audience was open to that and a lot of people fear that the audience of today's society isn't back to the internet it's back to all that negativity on the internet the second somebody steps out of a steps out of their comfort zone or actually the, the second an artist tries to do something different that puts the the listener in in a weird spot they don't know what to expect and as soon as those feelings of yeah. uncertainty take over that usually gets followed by a negative feeling and for change to be so yes. scary for people these days i feel like people fear change that's even like out here in america like the two-party system like people fear fear change more than anything that's why they're not making any changes happen you know and um yes I yeah i yeah I, I think I think that's true, and I think you know that's one of the problems with the internet. The other problem with the internet, of course, is it has it has kind of engendered this kind of um, uh, this sense of immediate gratification. So, mm-hmm. an album like Peter Gabriel's So or, or Kate Bush Hounds of Love might have required three or four lessons, uh, three or four listens, before it would really click. 
And now, as you, as you kind of already pointed out, Brandon, I think a lot of people, they're already online writing their comment 30 seconds into their first listen. That's not the way I engaged with music when I was a kid. You know, I would go and buy a record. And even if I hated that record the first time I listened to it, I would listen to it two, three, four times before I really could formulate an opinion on it. And unfortunately, we live in, live in a world now where I think people expect things to click immediately. And when they don't, they feel threatened or they just dismiss them. And, and unfortunately, that applies to everything, music, cinema, politics. Um, so I think the, the musical climate, unfortunately, has become generally a lot more conservative, a lot more immediate. And you don't find that kind of ambition in the mainstream anymore. I think, I think it's still there. You still find it in the underground but you won't find it in the mainstream. And that is, uh, I think, another unfortunate kind of byproduct, as you, as you say, of, of the internet, really. It damages the arts because we're not moving forward. We're stagnant, I think. So a lot of the underground moves yeah. forward, but the mainstream doesn't listen to the underground anymore. And where before, it's like, yeah. we would find something. I felt special. Bring it up, and then they would be like, yeah. oh, this is interesting. But you, you said it, cinema huge difference um if you go to 70s 90s yeah. 80s to today it's 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 insane yeah anything with ambition you like you said we're gonna have to stream it on netflix we're not gonna get to see it yeah <laughs> yeah it's just so general well, yeah that's I mean, the thing actually, that it's interesting isn't it T tv has become more ambitious than cinema I know. Uh, yeah. so i think that's really interesting is what what you if you look at cinema and you look at the music industry the same thing has happened which is that whole middle ground has disappeared so you have fascinating underground cult music or fascinating underground cult movies. And then you have the very conservative superhero movie industry and the very conservative sort of pop mainstream of Ed Sheeran and those kind of people. And there's very little in between anymore. Mm -hmm. That creative mainstream has, has kind of disappeared because the audience has largely disappeared for it. That's very unfortunate. I mean, I hope, I hope in a way some of that ground can be regained. We'll, we'll see. And you did say something that it just struck me right when you said it, that instant gratification. I think that might be a big thing because we're so used to one click with a finger mm -hmm. getting what we want. And with music, with art, yeah. there was always something that was very, um, I don't know, you had to take your time. Like you said, when I got a record, I listened to the first time it didn't touch me. I would live with it for mm. the week and then make a decision. Mm. Or if I'm in a bad mood, Especially. you know, I know I have to put it down and be like, hey, this isn't for me right now. Like, say there's a sad record. Hey, I'm not in this mood. I'll put it down and get to it later. But that's the thing. Revisiting mm -hmm. doesn't happen either with mm -hmm. people these days. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and I think especially especially if you, like for that example you just give me, especially if you spent your your money on that record. Mm -hmm. You... That, that's 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 another part of the equation here. Huge part of the overlook equation. Also, is is that because because we don't pay for music? I'm, I'm using we in the very broad sense. Yeah. Because we don't now, as an audience, pay for music anymore. We have no investment in it, and if we have no investment in it, it's very easy to dismiss it very quickly. Like the the the, the biggest the statistic that blows my mind the most is the statistic about YouTube, which is that something like ninety eight percent of YouTube clips that are accessed online are never seen to the end. 
What that means is that 90%, 98% of the time when someone chooses to watch something on YouTube, before they've even finished watching that clip, whether it's a music video, a, a film trailer, whatever it is, they have already clicked on people who watch this also watch something else before they've got to the end of the clip they chose. That's mind-blowing. Mm -hmm. that, that tells me that the, the whole idea of attention span has complete patience with anything has completely gone out the window. And that, unfortunately, again, we come back to the Internet again, I'm afraid, <laughs> is the way the Internet has, has kind of eroded our ability to engage with things on a deeper level, which is the way I engaged and as you kind of pointed out, the way you engaged with music when you were growing up. Uh, it's unfortunate. I don't know if you could, I say we can put the genie back in the bottle, but that's the world we live in. Yeah, we can't get it back. I, it's, 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 uh, I can't accept that, which is so hard, <laughs> but like, oh, I know. Pete and I have this conversation well, all neither. the time. <laughs> Yeah. It's, and you know what, guys? Me neither, which is why I keep making the records I make. And I know that I'm making records for, uh, you know, I have a, I, not in substantial audience. I don't have a massive mainstream audience, but I do have a, a fairly sizable audience. And I, I kind of figure that the people who listen to my music must be with me on that, mm -hmm. on that point. You know, that they do, they are the kind of people who do still want to listen to an album from beginning end to end. They do still want to be taken on a musical journey. They do still want to engage with music on a deeper level. And and my audience is still growing. So, you know, I still see there's hope out there. That for, if it's not the mainstream, at least it's a substantial audience coming from the underground that still wants something more, I think. And because of that, yeah, you have lifelong fans. And a lot of, uh, you know, bands do that have gone through same thing like dream theater like they have life it, there's lifelong fans like opeth no matter what changes you guys do because you've proven your honor or your trust you know everything like that you're not going to lose your current fans and that is there's a lot to be said about that that you have fans that will be with you for 30 40 years through you know um and that i think is I mean, I, yeah yeah uh, yes, I think that's a great. I mean, I, I, I think just to bring it to you, yes, that, that's that's an amazing thing to have been able to say. Yes, I've achieved, I've achieved this status where, in a sense, I can be very selfish about the way I, I, I you know, I go about my career. Well, you've earned it. And in a way, in a, in a way, my my audience almost expects me to change and to, uh, to confront their their expectation. Uh, we're generalising, but there's always a few fans that get terribly upset and drift away with every album. And you know, I accept that they're always going to be a minority that, that don't want to go with me on the journey wherever I'm going. You know, at any given point. But at the same time, there are always new fans coming along to to kind of take their place too. So I think, by and large, you're right. I think 80, 80 to ninety percent of my audience are fascinated enough to want to go with me wherever I want to go. And that's not something I take lightly. And it's not something I think it's been very hard earned. So yes. I've changed direction so many times in my career and I've taken risks and, and I've come out the other side with still with an audience that, that are very loyal to me. And, and I think in some respects that could be the greatest achievement of all in, in terms of my career. And it's funny too, because when you talk about, you know, the fans of the general you know, popular music, the pop music. Years later, people look back on that and they go, "Yeah, I was a fan of that band. Oh God!" But the underground, the fans, the, the fans of the underground, they hear a different message that they didn't hear before. And then once that message is portrayed to them, they latch on and they never let go. Yeah, I think I think there's a certain respect. 
that people have for an artist that first and foremost plows his own path or her path, which has nothing to do with the mainstream. And there's also a second aspect to that, which is sometimes artists that are more on the underground, it, it feels like when you become a fan of those one of artists, one of those artists, you almost become an evangelist for them too, almost like a you know someone who wants to spread the word exactly, and, and yes. almost wear that music, almost wear that artist or that music on your chest like a badge, you know, to say, I I like something that ev- you know, you don't know this, but this is really important to me, and so you almost feel like part of an exclusive world. Um, and I also recognize that part of that will go if, if I ever was to reach a mainstream audience, but a lot of that, that kind of extra magic, if you like, that goes with being an underground artist. You know, and you look at artists in history, someone like Frank Zappa, for example, had it through their whole career. You know, people who follow Frank Zappa, it's almost like a religion, you know, because Frank Zappa was never a mainstream artist. Um, Although most music fans have heard of him, he's still very much considered to be an, an artist on the fringes of, of the mainstream. And I think artists like that, or people like Neil Young, you know, they retain this kind of kudos for being someone that almost exists outside of the mainstream somehow. And I like to think, in a way, I have achieved, achieved something along those lines, too. It's amazing, too, because when you talk about these mainstream artists, these huge acts, you don't see people wearing their shirts. Like, you don't see people walking around with a Katy Perry shirt. You just don't. But you'll no. see, point, no. and just and go no. back to your evangelist point, like, you'll see many more people sport the shirts representing the underground. Yes, yes, absolutely. You know, and, and I think that's, that's something that is, goes back to that thing about, you almost can use underground music as a way to define your personality in a very distinct way from everyone else around you. Mm. Whereas if you're just wearing a Coldplay t-shirt or an Ed Sheeran t-shirt, you're not making any statement about your individuality Absolutely. at all. In fact, yes. quite the opposite. You're, you're kind of aligning yourself with the masses. And that's not really what we're about as human beings. I think what we're about is finding... You know, the, this goes back to when I was talking about my song, Song of Unborn. You know, the gift of life is something unique to all of us, and we have to find a unique, unique way to live it. And, and another thing that, that I love about, for example, like artists that say things that are just connect to, I guess, the underground is, but like one song on the record, uh, Detonation. I always said, like, you know what we need in this, what we need is we need a spiritual revolution. We need some sort of thing where we don't rely on this instant gratification. Then I listened to that song and it completely changed my perspective because it's pretty much like, uh, and the opening lyric was like, God is great. Um, I don't believe in you, but I'll still do what you want me to do. And I'm like, that's what the mm. spiritual guidance might be. So I, my thought process has changed right away. And, and that's another thing that you get from artists is that, you know, you think you have answers and then they give you, like we talked at the beginning, a perspective to make you second guess. So the answer is never going to be simple, obviously. Um, but uh, do you feel that spiritual guidance promotes violence or it, it, it glorifies violence more in modern society than maybe? Uh, I, think, I, think that's, I, I, think that's, I think that's a simplification, but I think what it does do is it facilitates people who are already unhappy, disenchanted, 
disconnected, disfranchised and full of hate, I think it gives them, it legitimizes in a way their actions. Now, Detonation is a great example because I wrote that straight after the, the, the killing in Orlando last year at the Pulse nightclub, the guy that went oh, in and yeah. killed all those gay people in the Pulse nightclub. Ugh. And I just thought to myself, when I, when I, I think his name was Omar Mateen, wasn't it? I, I thought to myself, when, when the stories were coming out, I thought to myself, this guy didn't even have, he wasn't interested in religion. He wasn't interested in the religious cause. He just, he, he was full of hate, whether it was for gay people, because he was repressed gay himself. I don't know. I mean, I'm reading stuff into it and I'm guessing. But to me, what did seem true was that this guy was just using religion as a badge, as the flag to justify the hatred he had in his soul, whether he was religious or not. And that's really what I mean when I say, God, great God, I don't believe in you, but still I will do what you want me to. There are, unfortunately, I think there is a new tradition now. Uh, tradition is probably not the right word, but there's, a tr there's something going on in the world now where people who are clearly mentally ill are using some kind of intifada or religious cause as a justification to legitimize their own violence and their own actions. Now, it's very unfortunate to talk about all religious people and tar them all with the same brush, but I think there is a very small minority now that are using it as a way to justify hate crimes, whether it's just going online and trolling people or blowing themselves up in the cause of some cause that they may not even deep down believe in. And that's a very, very worrying trend in the 21st century. And the worst part about that is, is that small percentage of religious people that are committing these atrocities, if you're not a part of that religion and you're reading the news, all of a sudden people just immediately just want to lump everyone in together. And now, I mean, it's, it's again, people just oversimplify things and they have to oversimplify. They things. really do. Yeah. 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 The death of the individual. They really do. Is, Unfortunately, is, there's, yeah. there's a lot. There's a lot of there's a lot of stupidity, you know. People, uh, you know that that whole thing is like, oh, a black man blew himself up and killed somebody, or or a Muslim blew himself up because, or a white guy, or you know. So now we're going to be threatened and we're going to go out of our way to hate all people of a similar persuasion. It's just it's just ignorance and stupidity. But again, it's a very unfortunate uh, human trait, I think. Mm -hmm, yeah, for sure. So uh, Stephen, we want to thank you so much for calling into the. Metal Sucks Podcast. We want to make sure our fans get out there, listen to To The Bone, which comes out August 18th in its entirety. All 11 tracks are great. I mean, I got to tell you, man, it's it's an amazing record you did. So I'm, I'm very hoping, fingers crossed, that we spread the word and people do kind of go out there and listen to it and, and just get the same experiences and let your mind just... You, you Like I said, you really put the lyrics like in this thing. You really just did a fantastic job, man. I got to tell you. Thank you so much, guys. I really, I really enjoyed our conversation. Actually, well, yeah, I loved it. Great. Yeah, learned we, a lot, brother. Yeah. Thank you so much. So, and we really appreciate you. You know, co coming out and you know talking with us about this stuff. I, when I wrote the question, we were writing the questions. I'm like, ah, I don't want to be too, but I just knew. I just knew. I'm like, no, I want his perspective. So, I really appreciate you being open with us like this too. It's been a pleasure, guys. Great. Nice being here, and have a great rest of the day. You too. Right, man. Thanks, Looking forward Steve. to the next one. Take care, man. Tired of weakness, tired of my feet of clay 
tired of days to come. I'm tired of yesterday. And all the worn-out things that I ever said. Now it's much too late. The words stay in my head. Sucks Podcast.
Yeah. All right. Did you learn a lot? Dude, I did. I mean, I mean, honestly, everything that he was talking about correlates exactly with what we were talking about before we started the interview. Sometimes it, it and is we talked funny. to him and we talked to him weeks ago. Yeah. And, and sometimes uh, it's, it's funny, though, how like when people word things how I can't word them, you mm-hmm. know, like, it's like, yes, thank you for saying that out loud. And I had like four moments with that in this interview. He exactly said how I felt in a smart, intelligent, and, and, you know, just a precise, precise way where it's like, I feel so much emotion sometimes coming out of me that I I just say things wrong. Right. You know, but I got to tell you guys about the two songs. Uh, the first song we played for you guys is Pariah off the new record to the bone, which comes out August 18th. Guys, I've heard this record. It is, I'm not a huge prog guy. I'll tell you right now, but this record is beautiful. It's a great record. I want everybody to get there and hear it for sure. Second song is called The Same Asylum As Before, um, both off the new record, guys. Like I said, comes out August 18th. Um, and that will do it for this week's Metal Sucks podcast, guys. We will be back next week. We will be, again, with a bit. Well, we'll yeah, we'll be. Uh, hopefully it'll be a little more lighthearted. Yeah. Like, Jesus. Exactly. I mean. and, and just take care of yourselves, guys. And remember, no matter what, Okay, we all feel the same anger, we all feel the same angst, we all feel the same aggression, we all feel the same depression. That's why we love music, that's why we love listening to people, that's why we relate to people. So remember, human beings are humans. All right. All right? See you guys next week. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.